thekitlocker.com club series podcast. podcast. Talking everything grassroots. Welcome to another Kit Locker Club Series podcast. This is the final one of this series that we'll be running. Uh, this episode is titled How to Grow Your Club. We are joined by Ben, as always, uh, new business development manager at Kit Locker, myself, Ole, marketing manager at Kit Locker, Lewis from Chester Street United, and Charlie from Bloomsbury Football. Guys, over to you to introduce yourselves and what you do. Yeah, so I'm Lewis Pandleton. I'm a chairman of Chester Street United Football Club and also director of sport at um, Parkview Academy of Sport. So my job is to try and steer both ships in a similar direction. I'm uh, Charlie Hyman. I founded um, and I'm the CEO of Bloomsbury Football. Uh, we're a charity based in London um, and run a range of different football programmes, all with the aim of using sport to improve the lives of young people. Um, and day-to-day case of, yeah, similar to Lewis, making sure that everything runs well and in line with uh, what we want to do. Prior to uh, setting this off on record, I did say how excited I was for this because you get both, both of you guys, I suppose, have worked in slightly different spaces, but you've both demonstrated an ability to scale up and do it in a sustainable way. So I'm hoping that we can tease out a few pointers uh, from yourselves that we can pass on to you know, listeners that maybe want to grow their own club. So, yeah, I, I'll um, I'll leave that there about praising you, and now uh, we can go we can go through the first topics, I suppose. So, Charlie, over to you first. How how was Bloomsbury founded, and what what's the plan long term? Oh, two big questions to start. Um, so, I've been kind of volunteering and helping out uh, coach. Um, in London and in Nottingham where I went to university for a few years um, and kind of two things stood out one was that the quality of what was being provided at a grassroots level uh, was really poor in terms of kit equipment facilities coaching organization Um, and the second thing was that young people were being priced out of playing um, due to high membership fees facility costs all that sort of stuff so the mission was really to set out to tackle those two. So to create something that was really high quality, but that everyone could access. Um, so set that up um, approaching three years ago now. Um, and yeah, all going well. I think if you run something that is good quality in London, there's so many kids that want to play. And if it's affordable for everyone, then um, get, getting kids along has not, not been a, a difficult feat. Uh, in terms of plans for us, it's a case of continuing to expand to provide more opportunities for, for more young people to get involved and also uh, the quality of the provision. So not just coming along, playing football, playing a match. Um, what can we do to kind of deepen that experience for each child um, on and off the pitch and, and build in kind of life skills and all the other benefits that come with sport? Big answer. Over to you, Lou. Um, I think I'll, very, very similar. I mean, obviously, listening to Charlie there, it's um, I see why we're why we're on the same call. Really, I think from our perspective, um, what we've done is um, we started sort of four years ago with developing Parkview Academy of Sports, and the idea was very much born out of trying to make sure that we offer the, the best possible sporting offer for sixteen to nineteen year olds in the region. And ultimately in the country, that, that's the aspiration for us. Um, and to continually sort of strive for excellence. But excellence is in, in many different forms for me because it's not just about world-class talented players. It's also about players who um, aspire to become better than what they currently are. Um, so I think I think for us, um, just sorry, get, bear with us two seconds. Lads, can you shut that door? I'll, do you know what? I'm going to move because if I stay in this office, it's like a... Yeah, that, the office that he's in is it's overlooking Durham County Cricket and you've also got all the staff that come in. It's the busiest office I think I've ever been in. It, it didn't <laughs> used to be, so apologies. I know that's recording and that was midway through the call, but like John Gamble is also the loudest man in the world, so yeah. if you try and do anything that's relatively sensible, they don't actually uh, take any notice of me. Just bear with us. Sorry, guys. Uh, in a couple of weeks' time. <laughs> 
we're donating to a food bank at the minute, so that's what we've got going on as well. So. Nice. Busy, busy. Hopefully you can edit this. Should I start again, actually? So apologies. Apologies. We can edit it, but yeah, go again, then. That'd be, that'd be good. Yeah, so I think from our perspective, um, it's about setting up um, Parkview Academy of Sport and creating uh, an environment for 16 to 19-year-olds that's, that's been really world-class. And I think for me, looking at producing excellence in everything that we do, so, you know, it's not just about being the best footballer, cricketer, netballer. It's about giving those people life-enhancing opportunities. So for me, it's looking at kind of the whole pathway and everything that, that encompasses sport um, to, to do that. So sort of we, over the last three years, have really cornered the male football market. We've been successful. We're national champions in the English Colleges FA, national champions in English Schools FA, national champions in the National Football Youth League and the National Alliance League. And what we want to do is give those players the platform to, to play at the highest possible level that they can play at. Um, but also give them the opportunity to become coaches, to become officials and to basically upskill the next generation. And what we found very, very similar to what Charlie was saying was that right on our doorstep, the standard of, of football wasn't good. The support um, from local infrastructure wasn't there. Um, and really there was lots of um, private companies operating in spaces that were designed to be commercial uh, commercially beneficial so what what we've done is formed a club in chesley street united um which has gone from really not existing to having 57 junior teams um and that's because we've built a brand we've built a product we've built an offer where uh, our core offer is that young young players train twice a week um and key to what, what charlie had said as well is that it's affordable um what, what struck a chord with me was that if you have to pay £20-£25 for subs and then another £25-£30-£40-£50 a month just to get coaching, that, that didn't feel right to me. So we've been able to come up with a product and an offer between £25 and £30 a month where players get two sessions, they get the kit, they get everything you would expect. Um, and we've supported existing volunteers because what we found was volunteers were desperate to be supported by qualified coaches and they, they have a huge huge role to play in our organization we couldn't do what we do without them um but there was a lack of quality in in some of the volunteers ability to be able to sort of take the players to where they want to go so what what's been really refreshing is you often have an opinion that if you come in and say oh, look we're going to do this coaching that people screw the nose up and, and and don't want to learn um and what's been really refreshing is every every coach who's been involved from our under fives, under sixes, under sevens, right the way through to the, the under 23s have, have bought into the philosophy of what we're trying to achieve. And, and we've, you know, we've worked with them um, and, you know, it, it's going magnificently well. Um, we formed a senior club off the back of that. And we're in the process, as I was saying, just before we went on, on call now of developing a ground and developing a facility as we look to climb through the leagues. And the idea is to build and create an ecosystem so that, our players who play, we currently play at step seven, but we're on the verge of going into step six now, depending on what happens with COVID. And obviously the season was curtailed, but we were we were joint second in the league with games in hand. Um, so the lads had done really, really well playing senior football. And we knew that they would. Um, physically, they were capable. But this week, they're all they're earning money. They're working on holiday camps. We're delivering a holiday hunger camp. We are delivering a football camp, a multi-skills camp. And we're in the process of um, donating £700 worth of food, which was the profit we generated, um, to the local food bank. And obviously going up to, to, to deliver that. Um, I've got some colleagues who rudely burst into the office a second ago to, to do a good thing. So, so yeah, I think you know there's, there's always lots of things going on. But for me, it's about creating um, a product that the town gets behind, that the community gets behind, that young players are given an opportunity to shine. Um, and they're free to move. You know, we want them to go and sign at the best clubs. Yes, that weakens our club, our senior-sided teams, but, but our job is about creating that pathway for players to progress into the US, into America, into full scholarships, into coaching. Um, and if we can give them a good grounding of operating and running the club and they go on and achieve huge success, you would hope that they might donate some of their, their future millions into building the stadium that we're trying to develop. So that, that, that's kind of what we did in a, in a bit of a nutshell. 
it's been interesting. <clears throat> I've been part of the, the journey with both of you. Met Charlie at a film house in London with Nike. In uh, Lewis, I spoke to you when it was FC Education. And, yeah. and the idea of FC Education was obviously the boxing and the football. And now you've developed Chester, uh, Chester Street United. You've obviously been based at a great facility. And just seeing you work in so many different areas, things in many pies, is, I guess, is the the Del Boy way to, uh, to say it, but it's been great to see it all come together like it has done in this past 18 months, especially with the grassroots, because what I think you've got with Parkview and, and, and Chesler Street, you've got a very clear pathway and you have yeah. that, that identity of elite as such or sub-elite youth football as well as the grassroots side of things with a clear brand and a clear, and a clear vision. It's It's... From the FC education where you've, you've spoke to me about all your plans and your ideas to what you wanted to achieve to now, it's great to look back and think you've actually done it. And, it, and not just done it like it was a shock to have done it, but how you've done it has been very quick, very unique and very smooth. It's been fantastic to see. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's been a lot, a lot of hard work and, you know, it's not, you know, I... I get the job of steering the ship. You know, I'm fortunate to have brilliant, brilliant people who, who work for me, work with me, who help sort of make the visions and make the dreams come true, really. And I think that that's, that's massive. I think the skill in being able to bring people together and share a vision and share a journey. Like, in my head, I always knew what I wanted, but to draw it on a piece and write it down is, like, as you say, we've kind of gone lots of different ways and there's lots of spinning plates but they all add up to the same equation there's there's a there's a common purpose and that purpose is to to enhance the community not just from a football perspective yeah chesley street united is a is a massive part of what we're doing but you know to give you an example our rowing academy we've just got a girl accepted to harvard university like that you know the job that we do changes lives changes people's lives and that's the reason that I get up early and I work late because you believe that you, you make a difference and you help people to make a difference and that's that's what motivates us and, and, and me in particular, I suppose. Fantastic. Very, um, <clears throat> both of you are very eloquently put, I think. And uh, from the outside looking in, I think you're both, I'd say living the dream is probably the wrong word because there's clearly a lot of hard work that goes into it. But I imagine that there's hundreds, if not thousands of people that, run their own, you know, clubs or academies or whatever it may be that would like to get to where you guys are both at. Um, and the the one thing that I've taken away from what you've both said is, one, surrounding yourself with people that are good and they've got a similar vision, but also making it accessible and affordable. The, the next kind of topic that I did have was, how did you grow teams and how did you grow members? And I think that, to an extent, we've kind of got an answer there in terms of it being um, affordable and accessible. But I presume there is more to it than that, to grow members and, uh, and players and, and every, everyone else. So, Charlie, I'll start with you. Like, what is the, not the secret sauce, so to speak, but what's the kind of, what's the pathway of how you've done it? Um, I think the most important thing for every club is word of mouth and, like, it's it's something that will happen naturally but it's also something that you can promote and push and if if you provide a great service and do things that make people talk about you in a positive light then you will get more people joining um, and that has been from day one the majority of people that have joined have been friends of friends school friends uh recommendations parent to parent um but as you say like it's also a case of pushing the other side of um, your branding, your marketing, um, your website, having these things in place so that when people do come and look or inquire or are interested, you, you are the ones that stand out. Um, so it could be that that initial initial contact is made through word of mouth um, or through someone walking past and seeing one of your sessions. But if the quality of what you provide isn't good, you'll be found out very quickly and you'll lose people that have joined or people won't come along in the first place. Um, I think schools has been a big part of our growth. So providing sessions for local primary schools who may not have the funding or the kind of expertise to deliver high quality sports provision themselves um, has been great in itself, but also to kind of um, give these kids a really high quality um, experience of sport, which makes them enjoy it and essentially want to play outside of school on weekends after school. Um, 
because that that's your audience so if you can engage those kids from a young age um in the local primary schools then that's that's your customer base um and then beyond that i guess all the sort of typical sort of marketing things that i'm sure most clubs do um it's just a case of putting the time and effort into doing them so flyering um having banners placed around updating your social media with engaging content um yeah we we do as much of that as possible and a lot of it's been trial and error we don't have a sort of expertise or a uh, really experienced sports marketing person it's more a case of oh we put this out it worked well or it didn't let's either kind of change it and put something else out and, and just test and learn as we go along i think uh, as lewis alluded to um it, it's it mostly comes down to just putting in the time and, and getting up early and working and, and accepting you're going to be working late um and the more time you put in the more you're going to get out of it really yeah and i think that again one key takeaway from that is you know everybody can talk the talk and like you said that word of mouth thing is massively important but if you've not got anything tangible to back that up and it works then it's pointless having that word of mouth in the first place so i suppose it is obviously the consistency and being able to deliver it post conversations between prospective members and and those that are already in so Class, good to hear. Yeah. No, just, just on that point, it's something that we have specifically spoken about internally around our marketing. So a lot of our, for example, let's say posts on social media have been really nice pictures of kids playing and it all looks great and it's high quality, but you can't actually tell from that picture what the quality of the program is. So we're starting to go down the route of, for example, like miking up a coach um, so you can actually see the coach in action speaking um because you obviously get a lot more out of a video than than you do out of a photo so kind of being brave enough to actually expose ourselves and say this is what the program looks like um in an authentic manner is is the route we want to go down and, and what i would also advise kind of other clubs and organizations to do uh, i think that's a really really good takeaway really really good and that providing that insight and that's something that we're doing at kit locker i think in the next three to six months is kind of showing people that behind the scenes kind of element and the kind of it's less so entertaining and more so informative to educate people whether they want to become a customer or or whatever it may be and it does help that understanding of what kind of relationship you're going to go and get into whether it is Bloomsbury whether it is going to be kit locker as your as your kit provider whatever it is I think that behind the curtain so to speak is something that should be accessible to people now if you're if you are confident in your product you should be able to you should be able to do that so lewis just a question on geographical well geography i guess why like you was based in uh your previous background you was at gateshead college and you ran the program there and you set up the, the ucfa cat one league um and you did the great job there obviously based in the gateshead newcastle area you then come a little bit further south to to durham to chester street was that reasoning because of the amount of um, provision available in Newcastle and Gateshead? And you thought, actually, there's, there's a bit of a, a less amount down, down there, and obviously you developed it there. Um, I, think, I think for me, on, on, you know, I, I had a fantastic time at Gateshead. Um, there were some brilliant people there. The, 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 the process of Gateshead itself was... Um, it was unique. We innovated. We we developed things. We were the first, really, to to really put a mark into what is now the the Youth Alliance League, and and you know being successful in those areas. I think um, for me, as as Charlie alluded to, back up what you say you're going to do and, and deliver it to a high quality. If you do those things, you could have for me ten colleges side by side, and the kids will go to the one that's the best. So it didn't really bother me whether we were in Newcastle, Gateshead, Sunderland, Durham, um, it was about finding the right site and then putting the mechanics in place to make that work. So when, when, I, when I looked into um, starting, um, I wanted to, as you say, wanted to do it sort of myself as FC Education. Um, and that was because I, I, I had a boxing business with a, with a really good friend of mine and uh, there was a, a design around what we might do with that. Um, and, I, and I think, you know, that was 
born out of, you know, the FC was born out of um, myself and my friend both had cancer. Um, and, and so we we needed something to do um, and, and to, to stay occupied and stay, um, keep our minds sane, I suppose. So as you do, you create a boxing promotions company. Um, but that was designed to help 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 boxers. Um, and that was a big part of, of our journey. And then um, I, I think when we looked at setting up Park View, we looked at Durham as a as a venue. I looked in. I looked at some venues in Newcastle, and it it just it struck a chord with me that the the, the Riverside would be the right place. Mm. And everybody had said, "Oh, you can't do it at the Riverside because it's miles away. You're off the Metro Link. It won't work." And the more that everybody said it won't work, the more I just went, "That's definitely going to be the place to do it because I'm quite stubborn like that." Um. So so yeah, we, we looked at it, and I think you're right. Close proximity-wise, there isn't any real significant competition. Um, in the northeast, there's loads of competition for what we do. There's, there's far too many providers, to be honest, saying they're going to do things and then they get exposed because they, they don't deliver what they say they're going to do. Or they copy us, you know, which is happening more and more at the minute. We put a post out and an hour later, there's a, an identical post from, from somebody, you know, purporting to do exactly the same as us. Um, but at the end of the day, if people are copying what you do, then then that's great because they're always a step behind you. So I think for us that that's that's the the ethos that we take. I don't really look at what other people do. We keep an eye out, and you know. But I think in the four years that I've been at Parkview, there isn't a program that I've looked at and gone, "Oh, I wish we were doing that." Or, How have we missed that? And that, and that's because we think about it all the time. There's there's discussions all the time about how do we change things, how do we make things better. So. We win a trophy, we throw it in the boot and go, right, what are we doing next year? How do we change this? What, what was it? You know, most people would go and have a beer and celebrate. My head goes, right, what are we doing next? How are we going to improve that? So I think, yeah, the, the, the site itself is great. It has limitations because of it's not on a, on a metro link, so it's difficult. But we get around that with, with providing buses in those areas. And there are greatest marketing tools. You know, we have fully branded up buses that, that drive through Newcastle, that drive through Sunderland and Durham and they're all over the place. So um, as long as our drivers are sensible, we, 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 it's a good thing to have. So, yeah, I think, I think really for us that what Charlie was saying there is, is, is quality shines through. So if we, if we put out a social media post that says we have Playtech vests, every kid has a Playtech vest and pod. You know, if, if we say we don't buy three and pretend we're using them, we, we deliver things properly. So, you know, and there's, there's never really been a, a thing that I feel as though we've done that's been a marketing gimmick because everything that you do is is around promotion and marketing. But when you fundamentally believe in what you do, when you know, I, I wholeheartedly believe what we do is the best. Um, and so when I believe that, then I, I'm invested in that. You know, for me, yes, it's a job, but it's a passion. It's it's kind of sports what I've done my whole life. Um, and I still remember what it was like to leave home at 16 to chase and pursue a dream as a, as a trying to become an athlete. Um, and, and I think that those things can never be lost. And every single kid that we come into contact with, um, from you know the 30-odd the that we started with, Ben, to the, the 250, nearly 300 kids we've got now, I know them all by name. You know We know their inside stories. We speak to them and we treat them as, as extended family. And I think that's what's really, really important to us. I remember the, the fitting session at, uh, at the cricket ground, actually, the 30 students to now. It's, again, seeing the development, it's great to see. Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah. As you say, I think once you're invested in things, it's, it's, it's really, you put your stake in the ground then, you know. So when we said we were going to form Chesley Street United, um, it had to be quality. If we were going to do it, it had to be the best. And, and I don't mean we have to win the leagues and win at all costs and scream and shout on the touchlines. I mean... The kit, the branding, the way we speak to people, how we structure it, you know, it might take us five or six years, but we, my core business is, is operating for 16 to 19 year olds, yet we're operating Mini United and Little United for three to five year olds. Why? Because in the area, if we can deliver high quality football that's affordable, then we know in 10, 15 years' time, those are going to be people that come into our product and we leave a mark, we make this area much better. Um, we lift the standard of, uh, of football in this area and we lift the standard of sport and we give young people a chance to, to aspire to things. Why, why, do they, you know, why do they have to move? You know, I, I, I left home and I went to Bisham Abbey and I went to various different places and all in the pursuit of excellence and we can build excellence on our doorstep and then hopefully help them to fulfil their ambitions. You know, and so we're saying 
before, whether that's in Bangkok, in Thailand, whether that's in Norway, whether that's in Ireland, whether, you know, for us, we continue to work with people and partners to, to create opportunities for young people. Fantastic. Fantastic. I think it's um, saying it and doing it. Those two things do go hand in hand, and you've definitely both demonstrated that. But, Lewis, just to backtrack a little bit on what you said there, I think you've added an extra element of um, inspiration with that, with what you said about being ill when you were younger and stuff. So it's that's unreal to see. Unreal. Um, really, really good to see. So, be um, fair, Ollie, this is the second. Uh, well, we've obviously heard a lot of very, very good stories, but this is the second episode where obviously Lewis's experience has put something to play and then he's, the development again personally that you've seen after this. The, the first episode we did was a similar story, not similar in cancer-wise, but how someone's got over something and been successful, it's great to see. Mm. Agreed. Agreed. Um, I think, you know, just, just on that, it gives you that, you know, I didn't talk about it for a long time and, and you realise that, it helps young people, it, you know, there's people that face similar issues and when lads at 16, 17, 18 look at me as the guy who's in charge and nothing bothers him and, you know, he's fine, when you then show that little bit of the vulnerable side, you know, particularly with, yes, we have a global pandemic, but there's a mental health pandemic going on at the minute and I think being able to sort of show that to people, um, it makes them go, oh, well, if that can happen to him, then, you know, it can happen to me. And I think it's just encouraging people to talk because it wasn't growing up something that I did, that you, that you spoke about and that you did. And you think, actually, if I can say something that helps somebody else, then that, that's, you know, great. That's, that, that's, that's what it's about, really. So Yeah. So, yeah, that human element, I think, goes a long way, really, yeah. like, from an authenticity point of view. So. Agreed, agreed. Um, you've both been around for a decent amount of time. These aren't just like flash in the pan pop-ups and you're going to change the name or try something new. So the point I'm getting at with there is that you've demonstrated a long-term kind of ability to keep it going and keep it going successfully. What is, what is the secret to for it to be consistent and for it to grow. Charlie, I'll go to you first on that one. Is there a single thing or is it a combination of things? Uh, yeah, it's definitely a combination. I think um, obviously at the most basic level, like you need funding to do these things and, and people either to give their time or, or skills uh, to make it work. So we, most of our obviously revenue comes from people paying something, whether that's full price or a, a subsidized place. Uh, and then we also sort of apply for grants and different pots of funding. We go out for sponsorship and obviously having that cash as a resource allows you to be sustainable, allows you to, to hire people, um, to book new facilities, to expand, to, to continue to run. I think good people, which Lewis alluded to, is massively important. Um, good in terms of obviously they can offer skills, but ones that more importantly are committed to the cause and the purpose of the organization and are really invested and motivated by what you do. Um, we've actually not really had a strategy in place. So up until now, it's, it's mostly been a case of uh, taking things as we sort of go along, making decisions of, yeah, this is a great opportunity. Let's take that. Or no, we don't think this is for us. Um, we are looking to put together a three-year plan at the moment. Um, but actually I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily say when you do start out, you should spend too long like writing everything down on paper because it just won't happen like that. Like every week, just as an example, like, I don't know, a pitch becomes available that wasn't for two years and suddenly you've completely changed the course of what you're doing. But you have to make that decision at that time as to whether that's right for you. Someone might leave who's your most valuable um, staff member and that might change kind of what you do in the direction. So you've got to be massively flexible and yeah if you if you put everything down on paper and think it's it's going to pan out like that you're wrong basically i think that's really really wise words and um we had yeah. this, uh, we had this on a webinar a few maybe a, a couple of weeks ago now webinar podcast um and the the underlying thing there was saying yes and and not ever closing a door on something that might not sound incredible in the short term or work, but eventually 
that could become a key part of, of, of what you do. So saying yes is definitely a thing that people should take away from this as if they want to do if they want to grow their club. What about you, Lou? Is there is there a thing that is it similar to to Charlie in that sense where it is a kind of of a fluid environment where it does grow kind of organically? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I think I, I was laughing because to write a plan is a waste of an hour because um, to, today from I got in at quarter to eight and there's 20 things that have changed that I wasn't planning. Um, I used to have to-do lists and organisation thing. right, I'm going to do this and then get home and think I haven't stopped, but like the jobs that I wanted to do, I haven't got done. So I think for me, it's about, and you've, you, As he froze. Critical. Um, and I think we are. We, we are. Because sometimes you just end up doing so much that you think, oh, I, I, I'm, I need like to switch my phone off for two days and just have a weekend off. Um, so I, I think striking the balance is really important because whilst we're relentless in our pursuit of it. I can't expect the team to put in the hours that, that sometimes we put in, but they have to understand that there is, it's not a nine to five job. It, it's not a come take your money and go home. It has to mean something that has to, you know, I did a big uh, sort of staff briefing before we came back after the first lockdown. And, and for me, it was about that passion. And, and, you know, if you don't, if you don't want to be successful, if you don't want to win, if you don't want to, give your all every single time that you're in here don't work for us um because that that's what the culture that we we take and and like i keep reinforcing it isn't i don't mean winning on the pitch i just mean in you know in what we do and how we deliver things so you know we we have a a bit of a saying and everything matters always and that and that for me is the two things that we do so whether you're talking on a podcast whether you're talking to students talking to parents sending an email teaching an active iq lesson delivering a session to three-year-olds, it matters the way you carry yourself, the way you speak, the way you talk, the way you're dressed, um, your social media, it, it, it all matters. So I think for me, yeah, it's it's being consistent. It's accepting that you can't always be where you want to be. You know, if I won the Champions League tomorrow, would I be happy? I doubt it. Um, and, you know, my colleague John Gamble said to me, like, when will it be enough? Like, what 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 is, what do we hope for? And I don't know. I, I don't know what the answer is to that because we've had lots of incredible success stories over the years. Um, probably too many to mention, but it it's just helping people. I think. I think being being driven. You know, I couldn't really do anything else. You know, I look and think, what what you know, in the jobs market, what else could I do? So, and then to describe my job is kind of. I'm not a teacher. I'm not a head teacher. I'm I'm not a coach. I'm not a strength and conditioning coach. I'm just a a bloke who talks a lot and pulls things together and helps people. So, you know, it's a bit of a bit of a strange one, really. But um, yeah, it's it's great. I mean, I, you know, I think loving what you do helps. I uh, I love my job, um, and it's a it's a close second behind my family. To be fair, so so uh, you know, to get up and not feel that you're working every day is a uh, is a nice feeling. Charlie, we've going on. I don't think we've really alluded to. Obviously, Chesterley Street's up in the northeast. Bloomsbury's based in North London. Um, Charlie's, uh, sorry, Lewis has got a facility where he's part of a county cricket ground with a athletic strike football pitches behind. The um, dream. You, yeah, you're building. A facility. <laughs> Charlie's in uh, an area where you've really got to fight and and get into battles and pay a lot of money for football pitches. On that, when you, was, when you was coming through the ranks as such as Bloomsbury and developing the brand and developing your name, how, how did, did you find it difficult with the, the old school grassroots clubs that were around you? Uh, and did it impact anything with, with pitch hiring? And have you got into any battles? I think now I can safely say from your perspective, well, from my perspective, we see you as the pinnacle within London compared to, obviously, you, you've developed that yourself. But as, as you were coming through, did you find that there was many a battle? Yeah, I think on the facilities front, that's, that is probably our biggest challenge as an organisation, just by nature of being based in central London. Like, 
there are many pitches. The ones that do exist exist are small, expensive, and generally fully booked. Um, and new ones basically don't get built because why would you build a pitch on a plot of land in central London when you can put up a hundred one bedroom flats? So yeah, facilities is a bigger struggle. We basically are at a point where we will take any slot at any sports or pitch we can get um, because we know we'll use it. Um, we're looking at some something obviously the dream would be similar to what Lewis has but we know that we'd have to shift slightly more outside of central London to get something even close to that um, but it is something we're considering because as you have 15 16s 18s they obviously need more space to, to train and play and with the amount of 11 aside games every weekend now one 11 aside pitch wouldn't even be enough so it's something we're, we're looking at um in terms of as we were coming through, yeah, I think at the end of the day, a lot of the clubs are run by people who want whose livelihood depends on it, and it, it's a it's a market like any other market, and there's competition out there. So if you book a slot that is next to another local club, and some of their players come and join your session, the coach from that that club isn't isn't going to be best pleased because they're his customers and that's his livelihood. Um, but at the end of the day, I think competition is healthy. Um, it's something that the FA are not against, but there's a lot of um, sort of legislation around what they call poaching players. Um, but essentially, that's that for me doesn't exist. It's a case of at the end of the day, it's the parents' decision which which team they take their eight ten year old to. Um, and they will go for the one that suits them best, whether that's on price, on quality of service, number of training sessions. So it was just a case of having faith in what we deliver, delivering something that was really, really high quality. And to be honest, the effect has actually been that other clubs in the area have upped their game and gone, wow, we need to improve. We need to get better kit. We need to book more pitches and do more marketing. So if anything, it's kind of achieved what is one of our next goals of like using our sphere of influence to affect other organizations and bring up the overall level of grassroots football because let's say we engage whatever a few hundred kids um on a weekday night that's great but what about the other thousands of kids who are in other grassroots clubs and sports organizations well for us to impact as many young people as possible we need to try and help bring up the overall level of quality being delivered um and i guess webinars like this where we can share share advice um definitely go to towards helping them um so yeah we were we were confident we just went out did our thing as lewis said made sure the quality was there um but yeah we're not we're not bothered by others like i would happily have any coach or any club come along to any of our sessions chat to any of our parents and say come along to my session give out a fly because I'm confident in the product that we run and I'm confident that if a child went and tried out another club down the road, they wouldn't want to join because what we offer is better than them. Yeah. Yeah. I think cream always rises to the top there, Charlie, to be fair, and it's something that you've seen, which is, which is great to see. I love the idea there of essentially the halo effect that you're creating. People are noticing what you're doing and then they're raising their game. You do get more of that within London because you're obviously in closer proximity. You, you share pictures. Everyone's always looking at everyone because of the social media, because of Instagram. It's a bigger thing than I, I dare say most of the country. From my point of view, working with so many grassroots clubs up and down the country, I wish there was more of that application because hence this webinar, why we've got you guys on, because we're wanting for people to listen to what you've done and create that themselves. A lot of grassroots football clubs are still doing the same as what they did in the 90s. They're still doing the same in the 80s, kind of the way of running things and not striving forward. We've, we've alluded to a lot of different things on these calls, but that's a big, big fact. The fact that you've just mentioned, the, the halo effect and noticing what you're doing, because I say it to clubs, I was like, are you checking out what Chester Street are doing in your area? Checking out what Bloomsbury are doing? Why should I do that? Well, because they're getting noticed. They're not just getting noticed in terms of players coming in and parents noticing. Sponsors, investment, they've got, they're talking to the council, they're getting the opportunity to develop here, X, Y, and, oh, right, well, I didn't think of that. Well, yeah, open the door, see what people are doing, and it's 
it's good to have clubs like the both of you with where we can use as case studies to say, look, this is what these guys have done. Go and speak to them. And I think you'd both be quite open for people to, well, if I spoke to a club, Charlie, would you mind talking to ex-United just to give them some advice and, and Lewis in the area and, and things like that as well? Yeah. I think what Charlie said there, Ben, was 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 really, really keen. It's exactly what we say to to everybody, like, go and try everybody. Go and try all the clubs. Go and try all the academies because we have confidence that, like I, I use the analogy, if you had every college or every club lined up side by side, they'd walk through our gates and our doors, I believe. Maybe not if there's Bloomsbury and Chesley Street United right together. It would be interesting about the 50-50 because we, we sound very similar. But but I think I think for us, you're 100% right. It's just... When you when you do things, um, and I, I don't think it's particularly difficult. I think it's just having a, a foresight. You know, we, we look at the facilities. Um, yes, okay, we're not in central London, but we have very very similar issues in terms of the facilities because we we have a license on the three G pitch during the day, but on a night time, our club makes up ninety two percent of that booking, but only because I spent a year and a half trying to get you know, Rangers and Celtic together in the two local boys clubs and, and merge them to sort of work and, and they, they saw the bigger picture that actually working together means that collectively the whole of the area gets better and things improve. Um, so you need to go and do that, drop that stuff off. Are you um, not yeah. coming? No, I'm in the middle of a call, thanks. That's John The mad man. He loves to be on a podcast. He's, he's upset that he's not on this live podcast no, no, and he's late for dropping off the food. Uh, is it okay? Yeah, go, man. Go. So, <laughs> see what I mean? If I disappear for 20 minutes, the whole world stops, I think, in our environment. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I think, I think for, for us, we have those similar issues. And, and what we've done with our, our new ground and provision is we're building a 3G in spite of and not because of the FA and the Football Foundation now. We, we can, we basically battled for the last two years and we were dismissed, oh, it's a school and you're not really that important and we're dealing with the FA, we're dealing with other organisations. Uh, to all of a sudden becoming a massive organisation where everybody wants to work with you, the council wants to work with you now, the cricket club wants to really invest with you because they see that it's not just a bloke with a mad idea, it's actually all coming, to, it's all coming together. So we, we've taken the vision of bringing a, a junior club together, but taking a, a financial risk to build our own 3G, because for us to continue striving at the level we want, we need more than one 3G. We've, we've got one already, we need a second one. And, and to be fair, we need a third and fourth, the way, the way that we're going. So I think you know, that, that's been critical, but we're self-funding a 3G pitch because the local facilities strategy identifies the need for three 3G pitches in the area. It says the money's there um, and we're stuck in red tape and politics with the council and with other people and strategies. Like you say, you know, when you talk about policies and procedures, you know, I've done that. I've wrote strategies and policies and procedures. I understand the process for that, but it's so limiting in, in players' development because... The council say you've got to wait three years. Well, those under sevens are no longer under sevens. They've left the game by, if we haven't done our development work with them over three years, they're not engaged. They're on TikTok all the day and we've lost them to, to community sports. So so we, we've taken that, that, that chance to say, no, no, we need to make sure that um, we build this. We take the financial risk to do so. And I've no doubt it'll be a great community asset, but frustrating that we haven't leveraged the funding that's there because... The, the policy makers are unable to work at the speed at which we can we can work at and, and obviously Charlie's in a in a similar boat it, it sounds so I think for me it's sometimes just you know when I talked about being relentless before I just don't accept stuff like that when somebody oh you can't have a 3G pitch you can't do this I just we don't accept it we say right well we have plans A to Z uh, and we'll implement one of them and hopefully it'll be uh, it'll be for the right reason so I'm just going to um, rename Lewis's icon to Mr. Grassroots of the North East. Charlie, you can be Grassroots of London as well. It's so, it's so fascinating to listen to, like the pinnacle of like, what you're doing. It is, it is class. Moving on from that a little bit, uh, I'm not going to bore people that are listening to this with the nitty gritty of embellishment, uh, but we're obviously both very fortunate that um, you guys get your kit from Kit Locker. And... 
Lewis, I know that you've had like power-up designs on your kits before. You've used colours which are really striking from the Nike catalogue and it really does show on the pitch of what it looks like. Charlie's um, obviously utilised silicon badges and metallic colours and, and all that kind of stuff. Like I said, I'm not going to bore people too much with it, but from our side looking at it, working in this industry, we know that you guys really are setting the bar of what branding looks like at a grassroots level. So my next question, and this has been touched on slightly already about micing up coaches and, and you know, utilising social media, but how important is marketing and branding to, to what you guys are doing? Charlie? Um, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's massive. I mean, just starting on kit, it's, it's a draw that brings that brings kids to the club like we could very easily go out and do a different brand or get our own kits made but the nike tick and the premium kit is a massive part of what draws young people to come and join us that professionalism that they see top players wearing and and sort of representing i guess the nike logo and having a a really professional kit with their number on the back with personalized badge initials all that sort of stuff is massive um and we've used it in a few different ways so we've got obviously the kits for, for the kids and the teams but then we also have different colors across the different programs so for example our foundation program wears a different color from the girls program which wears a different color from the boys academy teams and i think that also adds to that identity side that is really really important of making people and, and young people feel like they're part of a particular group um and are proud to kind of represent that color and the brand um the sponsorship element of kit is also something that's um been massive for us in that your kit is essentially an asset and if you've got hundreds of kids walking around or thousands of kids walking around with that kit on that is something that you can market to to brands who are interested in that audience essentially but also sort of corporate social responsibility um and then just yeah from a more general branding and marketing point of view i think with increasing kind of competition from uh gaming uh netflix youtube all these other uh platforms and i guess uh things that are competing for children's attention and time we need to up our game like a, a child isn't going to come along to something that doesn't look good on Instagram, that doesn't feel professional because otherwise they'll just sit and, and play FIFA instead or, or go to something which is enticing and well-branded and um, I guess technologically advanced. So we're looking at kind of investing in a new website, uh, pushing our social media, making more engaging content because we know that if we're to compete going forwards with, um, with these other kind of options for children's attention and, and activities, then that's something we need to do. Yeah, and uh, obviously, Lucy, you've mentioned it about TikTok as well. And uh, there's not many, you know, adolescents like your core audience that are in my life, so I can see that mine are either old or newborns. So there's a big gap there for me that I don't really understand in a sense that there is so many competing factors at that age. and. Uh, you're not you're not just competing against other programs and and other other companies anymore it is like you said it is you know technology which is a different beast in itself so that is really interesting to to hear lewis what about you what is how important is it to you guys obviously you know you've got the i've seen i've seen the power up kits you know the badge looks really well um what what how, what how important is that of a factor in what you've done I'll have to be careful because there'll be a chap asking for more money if I say it's really important. But um, there, I think I think for us, um, no, it's essential. You know, and, and I, I use this a lot and say, you know, if you build a shop on the top of Mount Everest, no one goes and sees it. So you, your branding and your marketing is the, the first thing that people see and it's got to be on point. And I think we we took a big decision to, to move over to Nike um, and, you know, my, my uh, marketing manager is, is, is you know is obsessed with nike um and i think he's right it's it's the brand that young people want to be associated with it's you know it does everything and i think to be fair you know 
having been involved with kit suppliers for, for years and years and years, everybody sort of says they have like club shops and web shops, but they're always a bit clunky and a bit sort of difficult. And I think what's been brilliant about working with, with Kit Locker is that your web design and the way you integrate it into our platforms look class, they look quality. You know, we, without asking you, you sort of use our backdrops and banners. And when we get the first brief, it's pretty much on point where we want it to be. So it, it's good to sort of align yourselves clearly to Nike, um, but also the, the work that you guys do on socials is, is brilliant, you know, with all the clubs and, and the power-up design. So I think for us, um, you, you get inundated as a, as a community club, as, a, as an academy where we get all these weird and wonderful offers from, from every kit manufacturer in the world. And I always peck Ben's head and try and get an extra half a percent off stuff. And, you know, it never quite... Um, he wins to be fair actually all the time so but I think I, I think that, <laughs> but to be fair it's there's a quality you know and I, and I like that and I respect that because there is a there's a price mark there's a structure and there's a quality and there's a fair deal there that comes back in so I think for us you know what's great is I see other local clubs in the area you know South Shields are a big club in our area have just gone over to Kit Locker and you know that that for us is you know I think Gateshead have done that and and again it comes off the back of us us being there for the last three or four years and doing that, I suppose. But I think it, it, it's great to see how you're becoming the household name with, with community clubs and organisations in the area. And I think that's because the marketing is so good. So I think for us, um, marketing is absolutely essential. Having the right brands is essential. Um, the, the social media, you know, we, we, had a, we had a conversation yesterday and I, I, I don't understand TikTok at all. My daughter uses it, but I... I don't get it. Um, uh, no, Lewis, no, we can't be that college that has a TikTok account. What are you doing? We can't. No, don't. It'd be embarrassing if if you have a TikTok account. But we we find the engagement with with young people via Instagram is 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 essential. So you've got uh, you've got to be able to market to parents professionally, and you've got to be able to market for um, your organisations, your commercial partners, your sponsors, um, and and have a format that's like that. But 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 be sexy, be innovative, be be current um, and so far I think we do that I think we do that well we could always do it better but I'm I'm pretty pleased with the way we do that we we always look to grow our content and try and grow our engagement and hopefully things like this and, 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 and you know various different I think there's things that we can do well and you know we talk about whether we have a strategy but we, we have a bit of an idea around the digital strategy of the things that we want to do um, we just need to work out you know how to get there so you know, for four years, we've taken taken pictures on an iPhone. You wouldn't know that from our social media. We've only just spent 800 quid on a camera yesterday, to be fair. So, you know, it, it, it's, it's again, you don't have to have green screen studios and all those things to make it look current. You can you can do that with a bit of innovation and, and somebody willing to, to learn and work hard. So, I like yeah, I that. I definitely second that. That's literally the first year. All we did was photos on a phone. And it was me doing it. And I'd never done marketing before, but you yeah. get out there, you take your photos, you see what works, what gets engagement. Because up until now, we haven't had the resource to have, as you say, like green screen cameras, someone to run the marketing side of things. But yeah, you've got to put in that time and effort um, to basically go be where the kids are. Your audiences are on TikTok, are on Instagram. So accept it and make sure you're relevant and there. Um, and it can be done with basically next to no budget and just a bit of time. I've um, appreciate both of you just mentioning on um, on the yeah, the marketing and, the, and photos and such. I've just been on your website, Lewis, uh, while you were just talking there. And funnily enough, you're both very similar in the style and layout, the black and the, the metallics, as Ollie said as well, with gold. But I like the way in the which the Chesler Street website's aligned where it's got all the information you need it's simple it's you've got the partners on there but then also i think on the third scroll down you've got the sponsorship packages so that's yeah. it and that's aligned and then beneath that you've got the kits with your sponsor there i think as you're getting into this 57 into a bigger club like you are super club almost the 57 team uh, barrier like that's something that needs to be relevant and clear and for each manager they need to know the the way, what information you need, the pricing, and that allows that commercial to always come back in. And, and I think for us, for us on that, Ben, I mean, what we... 
Oh no. Um, Lewis, I think you, yeah. you, you just cut off. Then do you want to just start that again? Apologies. Okay. Yeah, sorry. Oh, hang on. Yeah, I think I think for us the, the website itself is very very simple and basic, and we wanted it to be that way. The Academy of Sports got a lot more functionality website to it, and we we do have a separate sort of site which is more the day to day operations, stats, and scoring. But we're partnering with um, Jobs for Football and uh, the, the transfer mark provision to come up with player profiles, and that's something we're piloting and we're working on behind the scenes. To there'll be a, a team page for every team. There'll be provision, but we're just playing about with how that looks and not flooding the website with too much information to sort of get you know. So we've got kind of the live version that you see, and then we've got about 60, 70 pages developed behind it that we're going. If we put that out, does that look too cluttered? Do, do, do you lose where you're at? You know, we've, we've got a separate site that we use to post fixtures and results, for example. Um, but as, as Charlie says, it, it comes down to finance and budget. So we, we're trying to create a system where we, we update scores and goals. And I know at the junior mini soccer ages, you don't do that. But creating photos and, and images around making sure that there's a profile on that. But if we flood that on the, scene, on, on the Twitter feed, does that? confuse who we are so we're looking at just that that next step of do we need to have a couple of like a junior handle and a senior handle should we have it all as one should we have website provision and I think as Charlie alluded to we're, we're not specialists in that field what we do is we trial things we look at it and we and we make it we make those improvements as we go um, so I think I think for us it's um, you know really really exciting it's a really exciting time and um, having a Having a guy who can do a website really helps, um, but ultimately, it's it's something that we're we're trying to make it functional more so than than. Uh, but there's there's you know there's loads we can do to it to improve and, and, and make it better and you know tapping into your guys' expertise and I know Ant's done that with Kitlocker in the past and has asked you know for help and support on various different ideas is great because you know we we don't have that we don't have lots of marketeers and, and digital media strategists and all those and you know i find working with like we work with Durham cricket club who who are great but for them to have a post to go out it's got about eight layers of filters before it goes out you know when we want to put a post out we just simply put the post out there's no real kind of and i think social media is more about that i think in the commercial world it's kind of there has the you know these tweet decks and animations and filters and what we're going to promote and how you you know sometimes it's just got to be engaging it's just got to be like uh, like as, as charlie was saying a good photo you know i love the idea about the mics and you know hearing what what coaches say and what they do because what you're trying to do is bring to life what you do all the time so yeah it's it's a big part of what we do i like the hashtag as well united we stand very consistent across all platforms like yeah that, that brings that community element as well i like that yeah there's a lot that you've said there, Lewis, which I think applies to, you know, applies to a lot of clubs, applies to, you know, even Kitlocker. We've got an e-commerce platform where we sell individual, you know, tech pants or mid-layers across eight, nine, ten different brands. But then we're also servicing clubs like yourselves. It is very easy to get that mixed up and lost. And you do want to project what you can do to the right person. And, you know, we've got 7,000 products on kitlocker.com. But, you know, you guys have maybe got, you know, a group of 20 on your websites that we power. So there's a very, very, it all leads back to the same thing of it's all product and we're all putting badges on products. But how we project that to you guys compared to an individual consumer is so different. So it is, it is really refreshing to hear you talk about what your marketing looks like to players, but then what it looks like to parents. They're very, very different. And the fact that you even understand that and know that, I think is a, is a massive step. And what you said about the website as well, like when Ben's gone on it, the hard bit is getting the traffic and having people follow you and go on your website. That is the hard bit, is building that up. The easy bit yeah. should be putting the information that you want. And you're experts in that, but getting the traffic and the inquiries, that's the hard bit. So the fact that you've... Got and I think it's being um, genuine as well. So, you know, when you look at it, Ollie, we've we recently we announced Didier Gaff, who was a Celtic legend, who's come in as our manager. What we didn't want to do is clumsily kind of just milk him as such. 
because <laughs> he's not the best coach in our academy. He's a great name and he's an incredible talent, but he's you know is he the best coach? I, I, I'm not convinced he is, but um, but a fantastic asset for us. But I think the temptation is then to like jump on the back of the Celtic Brigade and create shirts and, and do a whole raft of commercial stuff, which I just felt was a bit corny and a little bit cheesy. So we kind of held off. And yeah, in time, we might do some power-up designs with bits of Celtic and stuff. But what we didn't want to do was just milk it for a quick book to start with because I think people see through that. So again, it's just trying to let everything grow organically, I think. I think that's the hook. I don't know if I'm right because I'm, I'm not a digital media specialist, but I, we feel that getting, getting that growth as you as you develop is, is key to it, really. Um, and our impressions and engagement seem to work so far. So... Um, yeah, I think the thing that you said that with there, Lewis, as well, is that Celtic fans aren't your audience. Like, no, they're not. And and we've done it in the past where we've run a competition, you know, with certain influencers, and you know, we've given away um, pro shirts. So we did recently with one with Smith from Palms FC. I'm not sure if you're aware of him, but we gave away yeah. a Tottenham shirt, and that's all good and well. You know, we want to grow our audience. Everyone wants to have a bigger audience, but if it's not an engaged audience and it's not yeah. people that are going to be able to take action from the things that you're talking about, what is, what is the point? It is so superficial yeah. and it's like having a Ferrari with a, you know, a Ford engine or something like that, I guess. It's just, yeah. so what you said there, I think is really, really um, responsible and it makes a lot of sense in terms of, growing that organic and sustainable kind of branding that you've both talked about. So massive takeaway of that. I'm conscious that you've got food, food to deliver to food banks. And Charlie, I'm sure you've got another nine meetings today. So I do want to wrap up on one final question, which kind of leads back to the original point of how to grow a club. If I'm, I have one or two teams or I've got a vision, what advice would you give to me if I'm just starting out? Charlie, you can go on that one. Um, except that you're probably not gonna have a life for the next two years if you, uh, yeah, if you want to grow it to kind of or aspire to be kind of the size of Lewis or or the programs that Bloomsbury runs. Um, it is mostly just a case of hard work and putting in time. Um, obviously, when you start out, you don't know how to do certain things. It's the same thing that may now take me an hour, took me three hours a year ago, and took me six hours or a whole day um, three years ago. So. It's just a case about sort of putting in the time and the effort, constantly looking to learn. Um, I think you mentioned earlier that on previous webinars, people have alluded to kind of saying yes and being open. Yeah, go into kind of every conversation with a how can I help them, not just looking to take, take, take and keep those doors open. Um, do favors for people, they will do favors for you. Um, get out there and contact people. Um, most people are happy to speak and help um, if you just go and ask them for something. Um, so that, that's something I've found and probably was kind of shy about or scared of rejection to start with, but actually just go out there, contact uh, people at other clubs. They'll be happy to chat, businesses, sponsors. The worst they can go is, no, sorry, we don't have funding at the moment. No problem, at least you've opened the line of, of communication. Um, but yeah, it is mostly a case of, of putting in the time um i'd say one thing that's helped is definitely posting regularly on social media i know we've spoken a lot about marketing but even if it's a case of just like once a week putting out uh something on on linkedin about a new project you're doing or photos of a new session um then that is the way that you're gonna be seen uh beyond the audience that are obviously already coming along um and I think, yeah, if you're if you're really small, maybe like one, two teams, then try and leverage the parents of those kids that are coming along to speak to them and say, these are my plans. Um, could you help with this? Has he got a brother or sister that wants to come along and join a new group? Could you put me in touch with his school? Maybe they want to do football. Um, but get out there, speak to people, make people aware of what you want to do and who you are um, and, and go in there to to offer to help rather than to take would be my best advice. Right, I'll be uh, clipping that short short answer there and uh, putting that out everywhere because I think you've hit the nail on the head, Charlie, there with a lot of things that you've just said. Lewis, anything to layer on top of that? Um, 
it's a hard one, really, because I think what Charlie said is everything that, that I would say, I suppose. Um, I think from our, be authentic, be yourself. Um, and, you know, just do things, do things well. And sometimes, you know, you can grow things really quickly. Sometimes you can't. I think it depends on your network, your, um, your ability to, to be driven. So, you know, if you, if you have a full-time job and you're trying to run a club for the good of your community and you've only got two hours a week, then you're not going to have the ability to, to grow it at the rate that I've grown it at because I'm fortunate to have a full-time job and a supportive family that allows me to continue working 200-hour weeks, ridiculous-hour weeks. So I think, I think you know, there's, there's always um, limitations to what you can and can't do in, in the sense of time, but there's never a limitation in terms of your creativity and where you want to be. So it just might take you longer. And that's one of the biggest messages that we put out to kids is there isn't, you know, skills or ability. It's taught. You learn things, you improve things. But the more time you can commit to something, then the better you get, the quicker the, the, that you get. So I think for us, um, that advice would be to, to engage, you know, get that support. Expect to have more doors closed in your face than, than open. And don't be deterred by that because... If you did, then you would you would never get out of bed on a morning. Um, so I think for me, it's about being resilient and and having confidence and faith in what you're trying to achieve, um, and then building those networks with good people, looking at the the, the brand, looking at how you put things out there. Um, but most importantly, it's it's the people. You know, the facilities to us they're an irrelevance. It's the people because as as Ben alluded to, I was at a great facility um, prior to coming here. And what we've got is, is brilliant, brilliant people. And those people are the ones who make the club what it is, the, the, the youth section chair, the, you know, everybody who works really, really hard to, to drive things forward, has a common goal to, to make things right and you know, get people to, to buy into your vision and your goal. Um, and I suppose that's my job description is to, to, to create a vision and get everybody to buy into that and try and deliver that vision. Um, but as Charlie says, that vision also changes minute by minute, day by day. So, you know, accept that things are going to be different every day. Um, but but to be fair, you can achieve basically anything that you want to achieve if you work hard enough for it, I think. so. Yeah, I think on the kind of time, the resources, that is really, really important for people to understand. So when we first started and wanted to set up basically a boys' academy of teams and every age group and a boys' foundation, that is completely different from now we want to do it with girls but we already have uh people who can help us with fundraising a marketing team social media links contracted schools a mailing list to market to it's a much much easier prospect because we have the resources so we'll be able to do it in a shorter time but if we didn't have any of that we still think we'd get there it just might take four years instead of two years so i think that is that is important for people to understand and just be patient and understand you've only got X amount of cash or X amount of hours a week or, or people working for you. So it may take a bit longer, but you can still definitely get there. There you have it, guys. How to grow your club. Really appreciate your time. Uh, class, um, unreal insight. Uh, I'm sure Ben's, Ben's probably got a similar kind of vibe to say on that. He's nodding his head. It's... Uh... Everything that we expected it to be, gents, it's, uh, you've exceeded that. So appreciate it. I think you both can probably get why we invited you to come on as well together because very much the, the new way, the new world as such, and you've both been very successful. So it's great for you to, to share that knowledge with, uh, with the people that are going to be listening here as well. The KitLocker.com Club Series Podcast. Podcast. Talking everything grassroots.